I better not say too much. Siren, air raid siren, police siren, fire truck siren, uh, army siren. Welcome back to another week of a bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dad. And we have some fantastic news to talk about today, don't we, Dan? We do. We're in celebration mode because uh, oh, it's good that we delayed recording this for a couple of hours uh, yeah. because we we're going to record yeah. this maybe early this afternoon, but a lot has changed since then. <laughs> Yeah, yep, exactly. The tone of this podcast, as I was saying to you before we started recording, compared to what it would have been as to what it is now, is just, they're worlds apart. Oh, it's crazy. It's one of these things where I think I didn't expect myself to feel as good as I do in this moment right now. Like, mm. I guess what I mean by that is like previously, I wasn't sort of like super Nuno out, Nuno out, Nuno out, Nuno out. But then after the United game, I was not feeling good at all. And even then, I still probably wasn't a thousand percent because I was like, I don't know if it's going to happen. Who knows what's, where we're going to go? I don't want to get my hopes up. And then when, when this news got announced, I have just had this grin on my face and I feel bad because it's like, I'm, you know, I, I like Nuno as a person, but it's like, it feels like such a relief that this has happened now. Totally. It's like, you know, when it, it's interesting because with, with Mourinho, when he got sacked, it was certainly a lot more considering some of the stuff he'd said in the press of like, ding dong, the witch is dead. But at the same time, it was easy to be like that because you knew that he would be okay. And he is okay. He's at Roma now. They're doing quite well. Like whether with Nuno, he seems like a really good dude. And considering the performances and, and his sacking after such a short time, I feel a little bit guilty about being so happy that he's gone. But also that guilt, as I was saying to, friend of the pod, Tim, is uh, is very much squished out by uh, having watched Spurs over the last two months. So, like, <laughs> it's like, thank God. Thank God that it's over. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I think if we cast our mind back to the Villa game and then the Newcastle game, now Newcastle a horrendous side. Um, Villa, not too bad. But it seemed like at, in those matches we started playing a little bit better and it was like, cool, maybe we've reached the turning point Okay, not necessarily saying we're going to set the world alight, but maybe we've reached the turning point. Maybe we can, um, we'll start actually building now. And it's just taken a little while for Nuno's, you know, tactics and um, everything he's trying to do to come across properly. Uh, but then mm. after that, uh, we proceeded to take a complete nosedive once more. And mm. yeah, it, it just is like, I, I think it, it was really just like sad, I think overall. Like, like, you get sad a little bit after a loss, but you just kind of like, ah, okay, we played all right. We, we lost. Nah, that's fine. I'm not, you know, not going to dwell on it too much. But after the United game, especially how they played against Liverpool the week before, um, and even how they played against us, like they weren't great. They, they really seemed like if you had sort of a half decent um, team going at them, that they were there for the taking. But it just like, you felt so empty after this game. Like it was like, mm, it is, it is done. It is just absolutely mm. done. It's like that moment we knew the relationship was over and we're just we're just waiting for the breakup to happen. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. I, and I, I've seen a few great takes on 
on Twitter about how Lucas Mora not only got us into the Champions League final, but he is the reason why Nuno was sacked after their fan reaction to him being taken off, which was insane as a decision. Like just, that was like, I want to be fired. Uh, and I'm not the, and neither of us are the biggest fans of Lucas Mora, but in that moment of that particular game, it was baffling as to why that decision was made. Yeah. That was like that. You break up with me. You break up with me yeah, moment. I'm I'm just going to become a slob. So you break up with mm. me and then I get paid my compensation and I don't quit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so weird. I don't think I've ever seen a reaction like that. I'm trying to think, but I don't think I've ever seen or heard a reaction to a sub like that in a Spurs game um, where you like, we're watching at home on our TVs and, you know, we obviously don't get a lot. A lot of the time we miss things that are chanted in the stadium. We miss certain reactions to things. We see them on Twitter afterwards where someone has said, oh, did you see, you know, they were singing this about Harry Kane in the game. We heard this boo. Like this boo came through and it was like rocking the bass throughout the house. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was, it was such a strong reaction and it was a very puzzling substitution. Um, but like you said, it was like, it's it's really interesting, like how crucial Mora is to various parts of our recent history. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible, and it's it's just fascinating to me that the the reaction from the game previous, where Nuno brought on those subs so late, and everyone was like, "Why are they? Why are you bringing people on at the eighty? You know, whatever it was, second minute when we should have had people on as soon as that goal was scored." Um, and then this time we get a sub that I think it was like 59 minutes and the reaction was, you know, like absolute pandemonium <laughs> because the, the person that had been most progressive with the ball was Lucas. And it was like, well, the problem at the moment is we cannot seem to get the ball into the, into the box or the final third for that matter, or take a shot, which we didn't end up doing. Um, and then to take off the one person that is looking most likely to make something happen to me is it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's really, really weird. Um, I would love it in some ways if this came out that, you know, Nuno was really wanted the sack and this was his move. Like he actually was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to absolutely torpedo this, this game. Um, because otherwise it just makes no sense. Like unless it's a complete self-sabotage, like it's, it's really, really puzzling. And like you said, like we've criticized Nuno as a fan base for quite a few games where we've been like, where are the subs? Why are we not making subs? Why are they coming the last five, 10 minutes? What is going on? Um, and then this was almost like, well, hey, everyone, you wanted a sub? Here's a sub. And then we're like, no, <laughs> yeah. not that one. Anyone but mm. that one. Um, yeah. So it's, it's so, it was so odd. It was so mm. odd. Yeah. But it was also like having watched Match of the Day, it was fascinating to see, um, I think it was Gary Lineker or was it um, Alan Shearer saying that they were showing like there were passes where Sonny and Kane would be available for a quick um, direct ball that would then sort of put United on the back foot. Um, At least for a moment, even if they lost it, it was like at least we're sort of, getting some level of penetration and it was there they'd present and then whoever was on the ball would see it and go nah and go sideways. And it was like from, you know, the direct style of play that Nuno had at Wolves, 
Like I can only assume that this is this was just Nuno trying to play possession, where and then sacrificing the good bits out of his game style to do so. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Oh no, it, it was. I think look, if we're getting into sort of like team selection and 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 sort of tactics from the game, like it was it was really perplexing. I was so baffled as why Davies was back in. Um, oh. Because, like, in the past, I thought, you know what, Davies, I don't mind him as a squad player. Like, if he's back up for, for someone coming in, you know, he's a more defensive-minded fullback. And he's had some times where he's had some decent spells for us. Um, mm. But especially seeing how, you know, Reggion has had a bit of a slow start to the season. And it's in the last few weeks he's really started looking um, looking like, you know, how he was at the start of last season where he first first came in. Like, he's getting up and down a lot more. He's... um. He's, he's got so much energy about him, um, or so it seemed. Um, and then so you think about it like, okay, you've got a team like Man U who are susceptible at the back when you really go at them, um, especially when that like they came out and they're playing three at the back. Like, where's Reggie? <laughs> like, we should be yeah. going going after this and not just like having someone like Davies who I really think just invites pressure onto you. Oh, totally. I couldn't, I assumed that we were going to go hard early because of what had happened to Manu last week, that's almost like the most obvious tactic. Just be like, right, let's absolutely just press them. Let's try and squish them and be really aggressive to begin with uh, because we know their confidence is, you know, presumably low and, and they will be trying to avoid that thing happening again. But instead what we did was just be like, hello, welcome to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, we have the Dare Skywalk. Uh, we were supposed to have a cheese room. That didn't happen. <laughs> But we've got these amazing facilities. Please enjoy your time playing here. Like, sorry, can we just back up? Do we did we not actually get the cheese room? I don't think it happened in the end. Oh, I'm so disappointed to hear that. I here I was just um, sitting thinking we had this wonderful cheese room at the stadium, yeah, <laughs> but I didn't know no, it didn't happen. Um, no, it didn't happen. Oh, there but you go. yeah, I mean, in any game, regardless of the opposition, regardless of whether we want to be playing more defensively or not. I would if I if I was the manager I would pick Reggie every single time over Davies like I just it was baffling and then afterwards um when he was asked about it and he said oh Davies is a bit more consistent it's like yeah consistent at letting two goals in like <laughs> like obviously the the Ronaldo strike was a good strike I guess you know but also Davies what was he doing like where he was just oh Totally. Like he's, he got, he's not, yeah. He got caught in two minds. Well, it looked like he got caught in two minds, but I don't know if he was even having mm. either of those thoughts. Um, <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, it's everyone else had sort of stepped up and he's 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 gone, you know what? I've got Ronaldo behind me. I'm not going to step up, but I'm going to leave just enough space so that if it goes to Ronaldo, I won't be able to get the ball. Like it really was just the definition of no man's land. Um, mm. And... It's like if you're talking about a player as being experienced and consistent, they're not the type of mistakes that they should be making. Um, mm. That was something where it's like, cool, if Reggie made that mistake, given everything else he's offering, we'd be like, cool, he's young, he's still learning, um, and mm. he's a more attacking-minded fullback. Mm. Um, but when you've got someone like Davies who is supposed to be more defensively strong, it's like it's it's just really perplexing. It's also weird on that point that you said um, if Nuno did claim that you know, Davies is more consistent. Like, well, even, you know, disregard that. If you have a player like um, Reggion, 
as soon as he starts coming into form, then that's when you really want to be playing him. Um, so if he's played well the last few weeks, it's like, cool, he's hot at the moment. Let's like keep him in the team until he drops off. Um, and mm. then, you know, ideally you just go, cool, play through it and you'll bring it back. But like, it, it's so weird that he's finally started playing well and then he gets taken out of a game for like, you know, being inconsistent. And it's like, no, if, pe- if people go hot and cold, you play them when they're hot and then even if they're warming down, like wait for them to go cold and then we'll deal with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was it was baffling. It was totally baffling. And especially with the fact that uh, Ronaldo was on that side. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really tough ask when you've got a defense um, where we do have you know, Davies and Dyer in there and we're playing against two, you know, absolute veteran hitmen, <laughs> like who have scored well over a thousand goals between them in their professional careers are both old and experienced, but still relatively like fit and athletic for, for the Rangers too. So um, it is a tough ask when our, our back line is not that experienced overall, um, especially, you know, Romero is still quite young, um, but a lot of them haven't like they've only played a handful of games together. So even though I, I have a lot of faith in um, in Royale and Romero, I think they both you know overall look really great, and I'm excited for them moving forward. But it's clear that long term we need to upgrade on Dyer, and that just Ben Davies isn't up to it. So yeah, <laughs> I think when you know when the team sheet comes out, at least you know if you've got Reggie on there, it's like we're going to be pushing back uh, on them. Um, but it was. Yeah, it was just wily, wily old Ronaldo who just had his way with Ben Davies. And he's just like, it was, yeah, it was just really like almost just naive, embarrassing defending. Yeah, it was. And it was, it was naive and embarrassing tactically as well, given that on that left-hand side, you know, Sonny's in front of Davies. And I understand the, the idea of having Davies sit back so that Sonny can, um, you know, play uh, forward and not have to track back as much. But like you said, without Reggie there, there's no pushback on that wing. And it means that Sonny actually does have to end up tracking back anyway. So it defeats the purpose of the whole thing. And like you saw, like Wamba Saka was <laughs> like having a great time. Um, or was it Luke? I can't remember. Um, well, but both, that both of them, was, both of them on either wing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having, yeah. Having an absolute ball. Yeah. I just, Again, I don't understand how that was justified in in Nuno's head, and, and I guess there's there's not much point in dwelling on it because uh, he's gone. So, <laughs> um, but I wonder. How, well, I wonder what the history is of of uh, managers winning um, manager of the month in the first season in the first month of the season, and then being sacked like a month and a half later. I would contend that this is probably the first. Like yeah. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't, um, mm. because as well, even when it was managed, sorry, even when he was winning, <laughs> I can't even winning. Um, <laughs> even when he was winning manager of the month, like we weren't playing particularly well. Like we were still happy with the results in the sense of, hey, new manager coming in, we've got three victories, one nil, that's fine. This is a good start. Let's just build from here and sort of keep going. But. You know, we weren't like setting the world the world alight with how we were playing. It wasn't like, you know, um, this sort of like attacking expansive football that we were sort of hoping for. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it would have happened before where you have a manager who, and let's face it too, like a lot of other teams at the start of the season were stuttering, <laughs> which is also why we ended up in that position. 
Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine that we'd ever have a manager who would win manager of the month and then be fired two months later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting thing that sort of came out of this game is, um, which I know we've both seen the, the interview with uh, Pierre afterwards where he looks so frustrated and like there's a, there's one point where he goes to start saying something stops and there's a pause and then he, you know, puts out some like media trained, we've all got to stick together, blah, 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 you know, work for the team. And I just wonder what is the, because a lot of people have been suggesting it's after he, he um, just about gave Harry Kane eardrum damage during the Burnley game. Um, that the frustration is around that, but you know, we don't really know, but I thought it was, I mean, it was not good, uh, not good signs, but also fascinating. Well, um, I mean, is this the line? Say, yeah. Is this the line? Cause if it's this, the line that I, I think you're talking about where he actually says, um, I, I can't say, or I shouldn't say too much, mm. which I think was like, it's even more than like, we just need to stick together and that's it. Like mm. the, I should, the, the pause and I, I shouldn't say too much. Mm. That really is, there's some other stuff going on, which is pretty, pretty intense, but you know, I'm, I'm being, you know, respectful of certain amounts of privacy and I'm not going to go into that at this moment right now, mm. <laughs> but it's clearly giving the message of, I guess, Pierre not being happy with things mm. um, and alluding to something that has, you know, obviously gone on. So I think again, this just heightens um, my love for Pierre to be captain. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you want to see people saying things like this, and if there is something going on behind the scenes, it is nice to know. Like, oh, I better not say too much right now. Um, mm. And yeah, it's like it's bizarre. I wonder if we will ever end up getting more clarity on that point, um, mm. because I always feel like after those sort of things, we get a whole slew of like, you know, reports coming out where people claim like, you know what, that was actually because Pierre and some of the other players, they led a march up to Levy's office on the training ground and they demanded that Nuno was, um, you know, should get sacked if they didn't win the game. So that's what he was talking about. But then other people will be commenting like, no, Pierre and Harry, they had a, they actually had a fight at the training ground the day after the previous game and all that sort of stuff. So I guess given that Nuno's gone, we probably won't actually hear that much more about it. Um mm. And we'll just sort of, you know, move on towards the the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I um was thinking today actually that a lot of uh, you know a lot of people say that following uh, the Premier League or any sport really is like a is like a soap opera the way that the media narratives are portrayed and the drama that's involved in it. But I I actually disagree with that. I think it's more like a choose your own adventure in the sense that you you can just pick and choose which. Uh, false reported lie that you want to go with and then just run with that. And, and like, those are the different avenues and somewhere in there is, is something that is some amalgamation of what actually happened. Um, but it's, it's, you know, even that is not most of the time exactly the case. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder what, uh, I wonder what he was referring to with, I, I can't, he said something like, I can't speak for, I can't speak for other players. Um, but what I really liked about it was that he, A, had that kind of restraint, but was also very clearly, uh, demonstrating something with his manner and, and how he spoke. And it reminded me a lot of, it actually reminded me a lot of Hugo Lloris, um, 
which, you know, Hugo, apparently not that we've, we really get to see it cause he's in goals and, you know, whatever is, uh, you know, a really good captain and, um, you know, has a, a really great way of articulating, articulating himself and has this intensity. And I just see that exact same thing in Pierre. So Pierre for captain, that's all. <laughs> well, <laughs> Number I, feel, one. I feel with Pierre though, we get a little bit more honesty and openness about it. Mm. Um, like, you know, Hugo's kind of got that like sort of a bit more of a standoffish kind of nature to him yeah. um, where it's almost like when he talks and he's got one of his eyebrows raised and he's kind of all, you know, he's very, he seems a lot more sort of careful with what he says. And we really very rarely hear him actually sort of, you know, I, I don't want to say unleash on, on the team because mm. you don't want a captain to come out and, and, you know, being like Mourinho and just pointing the finger at everyone else. But, yeah. you know, earlier in the year when we had the Zagreb game, that was like the first time in so long we'd heard Hugo actually come out and really say this is not good enough um, and actually kind of, you know, voice some of the things that the fans would have been feeling after the game as well um, rather than just trying to sort of play things down. Um, so I think too, like I've really been enjoying Pierre talking and I wonder who actually selects um, who's going to speak after these games, whether it mm. is a media officer from Spurs who goes, all right, we're going to give you Pierre for the post-match um, interviews. So that's who we're going to bring out for you. Um, or if the broadcasters are actually sort of starting to go, give us, give us Pierre, give us Pierre. We like talking to him. Um, but it seems like now more and more, we are actually getting Pierre talking to us. Um, we, I don't think we've had the snake talk to us in a very long time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we haven't. No, he's not been a part of the post game at all. Uh, to me, the pattern is when we play well, they will put a younger player or if a younger player's had a good performance, he goes in front of the camera. And if we play very poorly, like we have a lot recently, it is either uh, Lucas, Larice, or Hoybier, other people that, that then front the media, um, which I, it's it's very interesting. And, and, and it's actually quite good media tactics because those three you would trust to be able to handle the questions and um not uh flip out and you know or, you know or seem to upset or whatever whether like sonny does it sometimes as well but sonny also sometimes <laughs> we lose is so upset and it's just like it's heartbreaking and you know maybe that's a good thing that that he's there Showing that, but. I wonder if the players actually make the call. Like they're going to the change and it's like, all right, who wants to face the media for yeah. this one? And then now we just get Pierre more often going like, oh, I'll take it, boys. Oh, don't worry. I'll take it. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, Kane has already left the stadium at that stage. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and he's sort of, you know, run off to the hills. Um, yep. So I think on that point, like it's worth chatting about Kane again. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, this, feels, uh, this feels a lot like... Uh, uh, Christmas day as a child where the, the potential present is sort of Christmas present is sort of hovering just in the other room by the Christmas tree, but you've got to go through lunch first and, uh, wait to open it. Um, and the worst part of lunch is say the Brussels sprouts that are served with the roast and those Brussels sprouts are Harry Kane. <laughs> Okay, I was, I was I, I kept thinking other things were going to be Kane in, in this analogy. Um, this also tears me up because I'm actually quite impartial to Brussels sprouts. I didn't, I didn't used to like them, but then they're not bad. I think they are actually a little bit underrated. I just picked the most stereotypical, dislikable food. Okay, um, no, fair, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Um, but you know, I've, I've just got they're kind of tasty. Apart from this giant <laughs> Brussels sprout that we've got up front for us, um, mm. I think with Kane in this game, it was an yeah, it was another game of him sort of going missing. Mm-hmm. Um, not really like <laughs> there wasn't really any fight coming from him whatsoever. No. Yeah, so I think we've got Harry Kane, who's really not putting in at mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't look, you know, interested. You know, there are various comments, some people saying, oh, you know, Harry Kane needs his teammates to inspire him and rev him up mm. and everything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This guy's England captain. You know, he scored, he, he want, he's on his way to, you know, break Alan Shearer's Premier League goal-scoring record. Like, he can get himself amped up and maybe actually start leading by example. And start, you know, raising everyone around around him. Because if he's jogging around the pitch, not really looking that interested, not looking like there's much fight in him, like what are the other players going to think? Like you look up and you go, this guy's supposed to be the star of the team. He's not trying. Okay. Mm. I'm, well, if he's not trying, why am I going to bother? Mm. Mm. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I always want to avoid talking about the effort level of players because the effort level that we see on the pitch is so different to maybe what they're actually trying to do. And there are other factors involved. And with Kane, you know, apart from the takes of like, he doesn't care, he's not trying anymore, which may be the case. um, There's also been, well, if he's so upset about not moving plus uh, not winning the Euros plus the Champions League final, plus still not having that trophy, um, he should get over it because he gets paid lots of money. And it's like, well, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I understand your point, but money doesn't equate to being able to be emotionally resilient. <laughs> like they're not two things that are, that are together. He can be paid lots of money and then unfortunately have taken what's happened really hard and it's affecting him on the pitch. And as much as he um, wants to still perform, you know, he's getting in his own way with that. But you are right. Like what from watching him at home, it's like, what are you doing? Like that was like the amount of, you know, misplaced touches or poor decisions, um, are you know, at a number that I've never seen Kane, uh, present or display before. Like he, he doesn't look, he doesn't look interested at all. And he looks, he looks like he's sulking, which is, uh, from, and especially within, um, a sports lens, always viewed very, very negatively. Um, and so if, as rumoured, Tottenham Hotspur do not have a sports psychologist on staff, get one. <laughs> get one. De- definitely. Um, and I think, look, yeah. to your point as well about the overall comment of players being lazy and everything, it's like I think that's very player-specific. So if we're talking about, you know, certain players like Ndombele, for example, mm-hmm. who everyone calls lazy um, and... You know, I think it's one of those things too that like not to just get on in Dombele because like he was not in this game until a bit at the end. (laughs) But, um, you know, there are times where I think you can still criticize a player for not looking interested on the pitch without having to get into the argument of like, well, you just don't understand how they play. You just don't understand that Ndombele is actually a technical genius who did that. Now, I still like Ndombele and I think he's a really talented and incredible player. Uh, but I think it's like you can't just because he's got more a more languid playing style doesn't mean he can't be immune from being criticized for not showing mm. that desire and determination on the pitch. I think mm-hmm. when you get someone like Harry Kane, like he's so much of his game for so many years has been built around that determination and desire. 
And it's yeah. like he, when he was coming through the youth team, like we were always like thinking very highly of him and hearing like, oh, we've got this guy, Harry Kane, who's scoring all these goals. Um, wow, wow, what a, what a future star we might have in our hands here. But then when he broke into the first team, it wasn't like, okay, cool, this guy is actually, you know, a genius. Um, we were like, okay, he's a bit slow. He's kind of, yeah, it seems like he's got a decent shot, but okay, cool. Let's see what happens. But through his hard work determination, he's been like so obsessed with just improving all his game in 1% wherever he can across the board, whether that is working with like Poch on his sprinting and like trying to get 3% faster um, at sprinting. All of those little incremental games he's worked so hard on. Um, and so I think then when we see him in a situation like this, where he's visibly not actually showing any of that desire and determination, like that's a much bigger sort of fall from grace where we can go like, he actually doesn't seem to be putting in and he doesn't seem that interested because mm. that was so like such a huge part of his game beforehand. Totally. You're right. The contrast is massive, whether with some other players, you can't really tell how, uh, like in Dombele, how like into it they are or how motivated they are because of their, the way that they play. With, with him, it is very obvious because his whole style is like trying too hard, like, like bracing yourself to like push yourself to the absolute limit of what is possible in your own body. And um, that's gone. That, you know, at, for the moment anyway, that's gone. Definitely. Um, I mean, in the and- game, I was just going to say, we were sending each other screenshots of like, um, when the game was on of Harry Kane on like the left wing with five or six other players in front of him. And yeah. it's just kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, mm. What is going on? Like this whole drop back, like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I go for a suit, I'm this, that, everything else. Like, and he did it last week as well. It's like, what, what is this guy's deal? Like, I'm so yeah. like, just so, you know, perplexed now that, you know, even when things aren't going well, he still seems to be doing this thing of dropping back. And it's like, no, we kind of need more of a focal point right now. We don't need mm. another player trying to get back, create something for then no one in front of you. And then mm. you've just got a wall of like four players in a line. Like it's mm. so bizarre. I don't blame Nuno for that tactic. I'm sure he probably has something to do with it. But mm. just just this lack, again, of a lack of intent from Kane to get himself in goal scoring situations. Um, it's really starting to affect us, I think, because... I don't know if he became assess, obsessed with assists last season, given that he uh, sort of had so many. Um, but like, yeah, where's that Kane that we used to have who would just be like sniffing around the box all the time? Um, who would like he, he'd occasionally be looking to get in behind. Like he didn't have huge pace, but he could still hold his own when he got in behind and um, and sort of beat defenders. But yeah, now it's just like I just don't even know what this player is. Yeah, totally. We're we're, we're um. So, well, he, not we, he's so stuck between these two modes of operating when, especially now with his pace having dropped off a little bit, um, but, you know, he's still apparently got the skill and the strength that his his best role is definitely much more within the box. Um, but of course he is good at assisting and it reminds me very much of, you know, like playing youth football and having your best player says the striker and the team's not great and you're having a bit of a hard game. And then they come back out of frustration to be like, this is how it's done. This is how we do it. And then <laughs> I'm not getting then, the ball. I'm going to go back and get it. Yeah. I need the ball. And then what happens is they're not even involved in the move to which the ball is won back. There's an attack and then they're not there. And it's like, well, if you had yeah. been there, like we would have a goal. Um, 
which, you know, I, that's, yeah, that's definitely how I feel about Kane. And, uh, like, to be fair, like, Sonny didn't have a great game either. Um, but Sonny is not, you know, <laughs> stroppily running around the pitch. Well, um, I, yeah, like, like, I think we know, like, with Son, you know, his determination is never questioned. Um, and, mm. and like you alluded to earlier, like, he's so sad when we lose and when we don't play well, um, where, you know, you just, you feel bad for him. Um, mm. And I think, you know, if it's Son, we know that he does kind of go through these purple patches and he is does go a bit hot and cold throughout the season. Um, but with Kane, like, you know, he usually starts a bit slow, but then he kind of like builds his fitness up, picks up a little bit, and maybe we'd seen some signs of that happening in, 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 in a couple of previous games. But, I mean, knowing how big this game was um, for both sets of fans, both clubs, both managers, to see like such a lackluster effort um, from our players, um, you know, and led by Kane is supposed to be the vice captain, right? So he's, he's mm. supposed to be leading by example as well. Um, and just to see like our players didn't care. So whether like, whether they all just thought, you know what, boys, let's play a bit bad today and maybe Nuno goes tomorrow. <laughs> like it wouldn't surprise me again. Like we're saying, like with, with Hoybier, if there's like some, you know, it, it, it seems like the players have kind of down tools a bit for Nuno and then the overall question I think still needs to be asked of like, well, how many managers has this happened to now where we've just got players who just kind of, you know, overall seem to give up a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is why I think whoever comes in next, the importance of them being ruthless in how they operate and being able to be ruthless in terms of the funds they're given and the transfers they're able to make is so like so important to um, lifting this team back up to being, you know, either in the champions league or at least around fourth or fifth place, you know, like competing because at, at the moment that's, that's not, that's not the case. Like it's, it's our jobs are safe. The manager will go before us and we can just kind of like fob off the performance uh, you know, against this team and he'll get sacked and then he, we don't like him and then he'll go and we'll get someone else and, and we'll see how they, you know, like they have all the power. Um, although having said that, like I, I spoke last week about how the fans don't have power over who owns the club and blah, blah, blah. I, I think the Tottenham fans deserve credit for the activeness of their disdain during the end of that game. Because I feel, I mean, I'm assuming that that was part of the reason why Nuno is no longer the manager of Tottenham. Yeah. And look, even if his job was sort of on the line a little bit, like that mm. definitely would have accelerated things um, a little bit further. Uh, given as well, yep, again, losing more points. Uh, and mm. I think we've lost, so we've played 10 games, haven't we? Or nine games. 10 games, I think. And, yep. and we've lost five which I don't think we've done for a very long time. Like it's mm. in the last two decades, I think we've never lost like five of our first 10 or something like that. Um, mm. We've usually at least scrapped a few draws or something in that mix. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, just the manner of the defeat, you know, um, it was worthy of booze. Um, mm. If we would, tr if we had tried really hard and again, not just down to put it in effort, but if you, if we watched that game and we were like, you know what, we actually really gave it a good crack today, but man, you were just better then you know, then I'm not for booing because it's like that you can see that, you know, we just got outplayed. 
Um, but in a game like this, it's like, did we even start? Did we think the game had not started yet? Like, did, yeah. Was this just a totally. warm up drill? Like, uh, we're having no shots on. We're like this. I think we're tied second lowest for um, shots on target or something mm. in games. Mm. I think we're tied with, lo- or we're like, we're equal lowest or something. And then we're like second lowest for like goal scored or something like that. So it's like a team where we've got such great attacking talent. Um, especially when you do have, you know, Kane, Son, um, like they should easily be scoring more than, you know, nine goals in our first nine, 10 games. Like it's really, I think by now we were expecting things to have picked up a little bit and like, cool, the team has found a rhythm and they're starting to actually get things together. So we, you know, we would sort of ignore those one, one nils at the start of the season. Um, but it was, yeah, it's just such a sorry state of affairs uh, to do that. But again, this is we don't have to worry about this anymore because, um, you know, Nuno's gone. Mm, yep, yep, he is gone. Um, and again, uh, apologies, uh, apologies to Nuno for, for being so happy about it. But like the the, um... I, I just love the idea that like he's like he's lost his job or something, and then he's like, you know what? There's that a bit Spursy podcast which is like quite positive. <laughs> So I'm just going to go and tune into them and just see they're they're usually very positive with things and surely they'll say something nice about me. And then mm. so it's like, no, we're making it clear. Sorry, Nuno, we apologize for this, but you know, come on. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, before Nuno's sacking, I'd thought about when we were recording the pod about talking about how positivity in the face of um, like uh, absolutely devastatingly poor performances is not positivity anymore. That's just delusion. Um, but he's gone now, so I don't need to go on that long speech. Um, and I can continue to stay positive. But uh, one of the things that we've spoken about before on this podcast was, you know, comparing Potch's first season um, coming from a club of sort of a similar level to, to Wolves um, and Nuno's. The difference is that in Potch's first season, there were, although the start didn't go particularly well, there were very clear signs in big games that things were changing and that we were able to do and, and match opponents that we weren't, we weren't doing in the years previous. Um, and whether this time, like all those three, those defeats where we conceded three goals, there was no evidence in any of them apart from, you know, one half against Chelsea, which was not even that great anyway, that, you know, there was no evidence that that anything was changing or that there was any development in how we were going to play or what we were going to do. And the other thing I find so fascinating is that one of the big focuses when Nuno came in was on fitness and physicality and, you know, changing you know, building those skills and changing the game style and all this kind of stuff. And then if you look at the stats, we, I mean, the running stat is extremely misleading because the player that runs the least in the Premier League is Kevin De Bruyne. So, but like we have the lowest as a team mean running stat or distance covered out of everyone. And that is troubling. Like that, that is an issue. Definitely. Um, and I feel yeah. like if you're, if you're trying to play like how Nuno sets up your teams, you have to be running. <laughs> you have to be like for that tactical setup, that has to be a part of what you're doing. Mm. Um, and I think to your point before about Pochettino and how we started, like when, when Pochettino came in, it's like we had a squad of younger players who didn't really believe in themselves yet. 
Um, mm. And I think we had Pochettino gave them that belief and then sort of brought them together. So when he started, we still had all these players who they hadn't achieved much before they, you know, started playing for us or started playing with Poch. Whereas now it's like we've got, I think we've got a bunch of players who, I don't want to, I don't want to pull out like exact names, but there's a portion of the squad that thinks that they should be playing at a higher level. Yep. Um, and they think that they're capable of more. Well, like they all are capable of more, but they think that kind of Spurs is a bit below them. And I feel like they would have thought, you know, Nuno is below the sort of head coach that they would want to be working with. Whereas when Poch came in, I think all the players were a lot younger and they were keen to improve. And they were like, cool, here's a young sort of exciting, you know, manager who, you know, plays attacking football and great. All right, let's, let's run through a brick wall for him. Whereas Nuno, it was just kind of like, you know, Ah, we're better than him. Um, and again, there's no hate on Nuno, but I just think that's the rising stature of some of these players, like Kane, like Indombele, who we've spoken about before, of like he clearly wants to be playing for like Barcelona or Bayern or someone like that. Um, and I think there's probably a bunch of players in the squad here who are kind of like, oh, I didn't come here for this. <laughs> like, I came here for <laughs> yeah. a bit more. Like I'm sure, like someone like Romero, who, to his credit, he hasn't given up. Like he's, um, he's still sort of, you know, he's got that youthfulness to him. Um, yeah. But I, I I feel like you don't go from a, a Champions League team, Serie A defender of the year, and go, yeah, I came here for this. Yep, yep, totally. Um, yeah, and that I think this is all encompassing in game style, uh, in results, um, in the uh, execution of tactics, the tactics themselves. Like you you don't come there for for what we've seen over the last seventeen games, like. It was dire. Like, and I know that, like, the heat on Mourinho from the get go was intense, but it's Jose Mourinho, as I said previously. So that just co- that comes with the, that comes with it. And, you know, negative football comes with it. But this was not only was it negative or defensive, it was just so objectively poor um, that, yeah, I really would love to know what he was going for and what was the, yeah, what were what were the uh, ideals that he wanted, or the goals that he wanted to reach? Um, it's fascinating. Um, should we should we discuss the potential uh, new options for manager? We should, we should. Um, and I should flag with this that you know before we were recording earlier today, uh, Barney asked me to prepare some siren noises so we could constantly do Nuno checks throughout the pod to see has Nuno been sacked yet? Here's a little sound bite, and then we can check to see if he's been sacked because that was all the talk of it. Now Nuno's gone, so that sound bite is 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 away. But I've got a new one which might kind of give us some clues as to the name of who is being suggested uh, everywhere. So uh, Barney, when when you hear this, uh, let's have an update to see to see if we have any progress on our new manager. Oh. It's a little bit okay, more well, joyful than I was hoping for, but it's supposed it's to be, really joy- it's an Italian barista song, apparently. <laughs> um, yep. Big fan. So big. we're talking about Antonio Conte. <laughs> He's the one sort of being linked um, at the moment. Now we've been down this, this path before. We've been down this path very, very recently, only a few months ago um, for, you know, things to... They didn't really, well, we don't know to exactly what extent they broke down and where they broke down because certain, you know, um, certain reporters were saying, oh, Conte rejected Spurs because they didn't match this. 
Um, other reporters were saying Spurs pulled out because Conte had his demands were too high. Um, but it seems like now we are at least for the moment back in and talking to him. Um, again, we don't know how true this is, but you know, it seems to be the leading story at the moment. Yeah. It's, I was so burnt last time because I was so excited to have Conte as the manager and I am so hesitant to be excited again. Um, but I am, and I can't, I can't <laughs> escape that. And, um, you know, it's everywhere and it started, I saw this fantastic retweet last night. Someone, uh, another Spurs pod had put up, um, hot hours ahead. Um, Conte is negotiating with Tottenham. And then someone had retweeted that tweet with, um, yeah, wow, these hours are really burning away because it had been like 12 <laughs> hours since they tweeted that. But, you know, to their credit, you know, now um, Tap-In Merchant Fabrizio Romano has reported it. It's been reported um, by other, you know, journalists with with more uh, clout than just ITK on Twitter. Um, and, like, I just read a tweet from Romano that um, Conte is apparently on his way to to London. So, you know, like uh, I want it to happen so bad, but at the same time, I don't want to commit to saying anything. <laughs> this also reminds me of like whenever we hear like a player is on their way to London, it just brings back memories of Chelsea signing Willian oh when he God, was having a medical at our training ground. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. So I think whenever we've got, you know, any of these links, um, like you say, Barney, it is easy to get carried away and get really excited and go, oh, oh, Conte. Okay, that's not a bad situation from where we were a day ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we've 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 been playing really badly. We lost and we've you know gotten rid of a, a sort of you know mid-table Premier League manager, and now we're getting in a top-class like A-grade manager. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense on that perspective. Also, one who apparently rejected us a few months ago. So. It is still, yeah, it's, I, I'm the same as you. It's like, I think I'm just excited that we've shown, like, I'm excited that we have Sacknano, we have acted quickly and we haven't let this drag out and gone through another couple of months and then had even more of a slow death for Nuno. Cause I think Nuno still recovers from this. Uh, and it's like, you know, just as a, a person professionally, like I wouldn't be recovered from this and go off and find another gig. And, um, you know, he seems like a lovely guy. So, you know, I want him to live, go off and live a good life. Um, but, I think it's it's good that we have acted quickly and we've gone, yep, okay, cool. This is clearly not working. This is not getting any better. Let's try and get the best manager possible that we can get at the moment. <laughs> and it's like, well, all right, let's aim for the stars again and see what happens. If it actually comes off that we lose El Sacco, <laughs> Ole keeps his job and then, you know, in three games, he's going to put out another uh, team that is completely ill-suited to to the team that they're playing. We sack Nuno and then we get their primary target, Antonio Conte, who is probably the best manager available at the moment to take over our club and who won the Serie A last season. That is the most bizarre sequence of events. Like, and I hope beyond all hope, if, if we do, if he is to be our new manager, then what's happened is uh, they've met with him during the summer he said, I need X amount of money for players and I need this and this and this. And they've gone, no, that's not how we operate. And he's gone, fine, I'm not, deals off, I'm not coming on. And now, because of what's happened with Nuno, it's like 
maybe finally there's been some some proper realization of what actually needs to be done to get us competing at that at that level at back at the level we were at and so for him to sign on there's that results in the fact that they've gone yes you can have x amount of money to um buy and sell players in January and you can you, you don't have to work with what's already here you can pick and choose who you want here and then we'll buy other players yeah i feel like we we have to have caved to whatever demands he had um, mm. It's like, you know, when we were talking, we were dating Conte once or twice and then he's gone, you know what, just so it's clear, I only do open relationships. And we've, yeah. gone, we've gone, you know what, that's not what we're after right now. So uh, we've got another date on Friday. We'll see you later. Um, yeah. And then a couple of months later, we've messaged him on his phone. We're like, so, Antonio, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we're down for that now. <laughs> we're up for whatever, you know, whatever whatever gets you excited. Um so it, it it does feel like, you know, it does feel like maybe when, it, again, if this goes through, if Conte comes through, um, it does feel like, you know, negotiations uh, that we had earlier mustn't have ended on such a bad note. It must have just been more of a case of like, well, this is what I want. And if you can't match that, then cool. All right. Maybe we'll talk again later. Because um, mm. you can't have these disastrous um, you know, conversations one month and then two, three months later, it's like, okay, well, suddenly now things are piping back up again. Um, there is though, and I think I've seen one or two tweets about this where some people are saying like, could this be a play from Conte either to try and force Man U's hand to get rid of Solskjaer because it's like, well, Conte might be off the table soon um, mm. or the more maybe outlandish version is, is could Newcastle come in swooping? Um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and this just puts Conte back in, you know, hot demand because suddenly now he's not a manager who's sitting and waiting for the next project. And, you know, you can think, okay, cool. Conte will probably still be there in a couple of months. Yeah. Well, still a couple of months. Like yeah. this is something now where it's like Conte's going like, Hey, I might be taken soon. So you better mm-hmm. get in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am going with the assumption that that's what's happening, that he and his PR team after, you know, with the Manu thing where there was a, you know, the trickle of info that he was interested, he wouldn't usually take a job mid season, but for United, he'd make an exception. Um, and you know, that drums up interest in sacking Ole and then bringing in, um, Conte. Um, and then this to me is just, he's coming over to London <laughs> and then we'll see if anyone tracks the plane, it'll just divert to Newcastle. <laughs> um, all the like, reports will still be like, oh, he's going up by Newcastle third. He's just going, it's they're just, yeah. it, it's a trip. Don't worry. He's still coming back yeah. down. And then exactly. he'll be pictured at the Newcastle training ground. And it'll be like, yeah. no, he's just like, he's interested in just old rubbish architecture. He's just going to check it out. Don't worry. He's still coming. He's still coming. And I think we will still hold on to that hope until he signs somewhere else. And we, that is announced. Like mm-hmm. if we don't uh, get him, like, I think we're so desperate for a manager like this that, you know, we are willing to sort of defy logic um, and start dreaming and believing that this could actually happen given, you know, how desperate we are about the situation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I'm looking at <laughs> right now. Oh, Barney, the, are, you, uh, are you, sorry, are you doing another Conte, Conte Yeah, check? could you, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is, I'm looking right now at, um, the Armed Forces Spurs official supporter club page. Great. And they have posted up a photo um, of Conte looking out over a body of water 
and it says Antonio Conte's Instagram feed just now, a photo of him overlooking Tottenham Marshes, a mere stone throw away from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with the caption, it's a nice day. Make of that what you will. Let me tell you this. The photo is of Conte looking over the ocean. The ocean. <laughs> that is, <laughs> it's the ocean. And then they've circled somewhere on Google Maps where he's apparently standing. And then all these other people are commenting, um, <laughs> you know, that, that like, unbelievable, like, wow, really? Like, where is it? The photo's from like June this year or something stupid. So people have not picked um, up on the gag that the uh, yeah. armed forces supporters are making there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like, that's how desperate we are, buddy. We'll exactly. Defy. Conte could be pictured underneath the Eiffel Tower right now. Mm. And someone would be like, whoa, that's actually the new uh, Waitrose. And it's like, whoa, is it really? That's pretty cool. Uh, we will believe anything if it means that there is a chance of Conte coming. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, if he was under the Eiffel Tower, I'd be like, that's actually really good because Daniel Levy has built a tunnel between the Eiffel Tower <laughs> and Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it's like, that is actually great news. Um, the one thing I will say before I get too carried away is um, I know you've seen, but to anyone that hasn't seen the interview that Conte did while he was at Chelsea with Thierry Henry, to which um, he says, um, if someone doesn't have a good attitude or behavior, I prefer to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, incredible. Um, mm -hmm. And at this stage, like, yeah, sure. Great. We'll take a hit man as our head coach. <laughs> That's Absolutely. fine. Um, Absolutely. I, I think that's really good though. Like, you know, it's so, it's so conflicting on these reports of Nuno, like some player, you know, he seems so likable and happy, but then, you know, those other leaks were coming out saying that he's really distant at the training ground and all this, that and everything else. Um, Mourinho, we saw him on like all or nothing. It's like, he's got this weird, like very fatherly, like friendly dad approach to players he likes, um, like Harry and, and and stuff like that, or even just when he first meets players. And then when he decides he doesn't like them, he just blasts them on all media platforms that he can reach. <laughs> Whereas I think it now, if like, if we've got someone like Conte, it's just like, if you, if you don't put in, I will kill you. It's mm. like, um, well, don't know if we can fully condone the threat of violence there, but uh, the approach of like not taking crap from these players and yeah, you're not just going to walk into my starting eleven. Um, I think that's a really good approach for this team because I feel like we have a bunch of players that really do need that sort of kick of motivation to to know that they they're not they're not favourites anymore. They're not players who are sort of deemed untouchable. Um, they actually do, you know, they do have to show up and they have to keep doing that. Um, otherwise, they will be brutally murdered by Antonio Conte. Exactly. I mean, we're so desperate for a manager like that. We are so desperate for one that as opposed to doing, you know, smarmy comments in press conferences or, um, you know, needing to make posts on all this social media about how he's annoyed. Instead, he just, on the training ground, is like, if you don't put in, I I don't care, you won't play. Like, that's, it's, we're like crying out for that to happen. Um, and so, I yeah, I hope, I again, I feel so conflicted by even talking about this because I'm sure that he's just going to end up going to Newcastle or something stupid. And like, you know, for all the reports that I've seen now from Sky Italy, Fabrizio Romano, the Guardian tweeted about it. There is also random ITKs <laughs> posting like deal is off. Daniel Levy did not want to give Conte um, 
15 million a week or whatever the hell, you know, like based on nothing. Um, and so, yeah, until it's, uh, until it's official, it's just, it's agonizing. I feel <laughs> I'm in pain right now. I'm in pain. See, look, I, I respect Data Leave even more for wanting to like even just enter a negotiating room with Conte. Like if oh I God. walked in the door and Conte's sitting there, he would just like negotiate me down without him even saying a word. Yeah. I'd be like, oh yeah, 200,000 pounds or oh, three. Th- oh, no, no, yeah, no, <laughs> okay. Yep. Cool. All right. Now have my house. Have my house. Mm. Have mm-hmm. my house, my family, my kids. All right. No, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Done. Done. Um, because he's like a pretty intimidating character. Um, oh, absolutely. And like that is the thing. It's like if we get him in, we could be watching a Netflix doc- documentary in like five, ten years of how he became like Britain's leading serial killer because <laughs> all of our players just progressively started disappearing after they played poorly. Mm. Um, and he's like, well, I told you I killed them when they don't play well. <laughs> I've made this very, very clear. I'm not here to muck about. And look, yeah. if that gets us a Premier League title, uh, which we're a long way away from talking about, um, well, I'll take that. Yeah, so be it. So be it. I wonder if there's any kind of effect from, you know, Pochettino wasn't, you know, uh, the most, he had this sort of like inherent uh, charisma to him where when he expressed emotion, it was, it seemed so genuine and so, which is why he's so likable because he seemed like what you saw was the truth. Like he wasn't you know, pretending or anything like that. And, and, and that is charismatic. And then we have Mourinho who is like the most charismatic, one of the most charismatic people in the world. Um, and then we have Nuno who is maybe one of the least charismatic people in the world. Um, and ex- extremely guarded, um, doesn't react, um, is very, very, uh, calculated in his response in press conferences. And so to then sort of go through this weird dip where we have that and then to come back and have Conte, who is unbelievably charismatic and expressive, is going to be, if it happens, such a shock. But as you, as you said, like I can't, there, there would be a handful of players that I, I think wouldn't be on Conte's murder list. Like <laughs> there would be a handful. Yeah, I think like we could, we could say Pierre is not on the murder list. He's not on the medal. I would say he's not on the medal list either. I'd say Son is just so he's so sweet. He's not on the medal yeah. list. Um, yeah. Who else could we date? Like <laughs> Romero. Romero. Romero can't be on the medal list. And I don't Reggie, think I don't think I don't think Hugo. And did you say Reggie? No. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Emerson actually, you know, like his yeah. his yeah. I think we're, we're like talking ourselves around to like including most of the team back in this, but I think like there's like there's a lot of players that. But here's, I guess, the interesting thing with Conte is that in previous teams he's had, he has gotten a lot out of players by getting them to do very specific roles. Um, and we might possibly see some players that we have in the squad that are a bit of a surprise that just come in and can do a job for him. Like, I'm no tactical expert in Conte's setup by any stretch. But, you know, is it somewhere where it's like we've got someone like Bergwijn who we're like, he's he's really struggling to like, you know, get a run of form, get in the team mm. and, and do anything. But could he possibly play like a Conte role sort of perfectly? Um, I find that's always to me the really interesting thing when we get a new manager in of like mm. when you see some players do come out of the shadows and suddenly they're, they're playing again and they start playing really, really well. Like uh, I think a comparison is like someone like Marcus Alonso. Like I remember mm. when he was a Bolton, like he wasn't much of a player. 
And then even at Chelsea, I was like, meh, fine, whatever. But then he became like this elite wingback, <laughs> like just kind of like out of nowhere. So I wonder like what you'd have to think if Conte does end up coming. Um, and look, this would be so hilarious if we've gone, like we speak for like 20, 30 minutes on this recording and then it just comes out like, what were you all thinking, you idiot Spurs fans? No mm. way Conte is coming. But if he does come, he must see at least half a squad who he thinks have something that he can work with, then plus obviously demanding the right investment in the other areas. Well, I, I mean, I think with his system, he must see, because he plays with um, very, very, very specific automations and rehearsed patterns of passing and play, to which the idea being that uh, you receive the ball, you don't even need to think or look about where the person receiving the ball is because you've practiced it so many times that you can, without looking, pass it straight and it will go directly to who the other person is by the way it's so organized that him coming in at this point in the season, which is interesting because previously he said he's not interested in doing so, is... Uh, I mean, I don't know how long these things take to prepare, but it's interesting because he may be uh, perfectly suited to very quickly adjusting uh, the results of the team by using that kind of method. Um, and so I think you're totally right. There might be players that are very, very surprisingly uh, key members of his squad if he is to be the manager. And we don't end up with like, I, I don't know, like Harry Winks as player manager or something else. Like I don't, I don't know what the, the one piece of hope I have I have is that when Jose got sacked, Ryan Mason was announced almost immediately as the caretaker. Um, whether this time it was just like a management announcement will be done in due course or something. Yeah. I, I kind yeah. of feel like, you know, there, there are, again, it's all just rumors everywhere, but there are some rumors saying Mason might be in until Christmas, this, that, and everything else. Mm. Um, but I just kind of feel like if we go back to Mason, um, I think, look, Mason did all right when we came in for Jose. He did yeah, he make some be. questionable decisions uh, mm. and he froze out Ndombele for really <laughs> no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like he was a bit kind of like, you know, playing some of his old mates from the, the youth academy, you know, back mm. in the day. But I think it would be really seen as a, a really big backward step now if we go back to having Mason. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And I don't think that, you know, if the fans were brutal towards Nuno, even though we, you know, we like Mason, um, you know, as a fan base, like we support him as like, he's a, he's a, you know, a club man, youth team, all that sort of stuff. I feel like, like him coming in is like, that's almost too much pressure on Ryan Mason. Like if I was Ryan Mason, I'd probably go, you know what? No, thank you. Um, I will just love to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, and if I want to manage, uh, I'm probably going to go and find like a, you know, league two team <laughs> and league one team or something like that and take up the job there. So I feel like that appointment would just not go down well if that was something that was to happen, even just as an interim. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think, although I think the reason why he won't be appointed as an interim manager uh, or, you know, until Christmas or whatever the time frame is, is because Mason is has a very special place in in Tottenham supporter hearts in the in the sense of what he's been through and he came in and he won four out of six games and we played you know like he made some questionable decisions but there was the acknowledgement at the time that it was like well the season's kind of over and 
um, you know, what he does, he does. And, and any good result is a, is an achievement. Um, and I think if he comes in again, the reaction won't be directed to him at all. I think it because it's Brian Mason, mm-hmm. I think it will just be ve- then very much targeted at Daniel Levy. And I think it will be the intensity of that targeting will go up quite a few levels. So I think from this, uh, from this point to get the heat off himself, Levy and Paratici for that matter, need to appoint someone that, that has the, the X factor or the, you know, like, you know, big manager kind of vibes to show their own, um, show their own, you know, will to, to improve the club. Um, and on that point, it's, it's going to be interesting considering that we, so we had Poch, we had Jose who, when he came in was already sort of being talked about as being washed and outdated and a bit of a dinosaur. And, you know, that may be true. And then, uh, Nuno comes in and it was from the start, it was like, well, he's not quite at the level that we would want from a manager. We don't really know how he's going to go. That last season with Wolves was terrible. Um, but with Conte, like he won Serie A. And so if he comes in, like he won Serie A last year, there's no question about him being washed or, um, you know, being out of it and, you know, can't put a team together. Then it's like, well, no, we've, it's going to be interesting because it will be like, we've got the manager now who can win things. And if we're not performing at a level that is usually associated with him, it'll be very interesting to see how the players react because the focus then won't actually be on him. It'll be on them not executing what he has clearly shown to be successful uh, in winning two leagues in the last, like what, like four years. So yeah, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Over that point, like, yeah, Mourinho, when he came in, like he hadn't won anything for a little while Um, Mm. or nothing of note. Like I know he won, like, you know, you wait for cut Mm. with, with Man U or whatever, but um where where Conte has won leagues in more recently, um, mm. and I think showing like I again I haven't seen a lot of Roma this season, but I know like they are fourth in Serie A, but at the same time they are like twelve points off second, um, mm-hmm. they are five points behind third. So yeah, I can actually I've been watching Roma, so I can tell you. Have you. Been, <laughs> wait, hang on, hang on. Wait, you've been watching Roma? Yeah. Why have you been watching late. Roma? I've been up late doing my thesis and so I've just been like, well, I want to watch a match that I don't care about that much and a lot and Serie A seems to be on uh all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been watching that and I will say that it's still not particularly exciting, but for some reason, maybe it's the Italian league or whatever, the way the ball moves and the progression of it seems quite different to when he was at Spurs, just in the sense that they move the, it's still direct passing and counterattacks, but it feels like the balls move quicker. And I'm not sure whether that's just relative to the teams they're playing. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's doing all right, but also they were top and now they're fourth, which is what happened to us. So <laughs> maybe they're just slowly sliding. I'm just trying to work out, buddy. Have you sort of just subtly, like we've removed Mourinho and you were very sort of vocal and happy about when he left, but then on the mm. sly, you've just then now started supporting Roma, his next team, and this is just <laughs> the big revelation that you are just an absolute absolute Mourinhoista. Um. <laughs> well, the truth is that I started supporting. I didn't have an Italian team, and because I 
again, I hate that I'm bringing this up. I love that because I love Conte. I supported Inter. Uh, and obviously because I was like, well, they're good and I don't really care. Like if anyone was to ask me, I'd probably just be like, well, bleh, you know, no one. But I hadn't, I, I was like uh, hate watching Roma because I was like, what is, what is he doing now? What's, what's his plan? Like what's his, what's, what's going on? Um, yeah. But still watching all the same. I'm still watching all the same. They were playing Napoli, so like you know. No, 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 no. It's, it's totally fine. I, I feel it just, I'm not a Mourinhoista. It just reminds no, me of like it just reminds me of like when you talk to people about TV shows, and you're like, um, "Oh, so you watch Gossip Girl, do you?" And you're like, "Yeah, no, but I like hate watch it. I hate watched. <laughs> I hate watched all seven seasons of it. Don't worry about that. I hate watched like 58 episodes. I hate watched them all of them. I don't actually like it." And you're like, mm-hmm. it, you're like, it's totally fine if you like that show. Like, if it brings you enjoyment to watch it, that's totally fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hate watch. That's it. I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that. no, that's it, buddy. I'll stop grilling you on your association with Roma. And I'm not a Mourinho wister. I feel it. Wait, hang <laughs> on. You've got a Roma shirt in the background now, and you've just put Mourinho on mine. the back of not it? Not mine. Not mine. <laughs> not mine. Don't know who sent that. It just rocked up. Um, yeah, not mine. It's it, it's amazing though. So okay, so I guess look the should we do one more Conte check? Um, Let's do one more. Let's do one more. But yeah. Oh, I don't have my. I think, buddy, you looking for your phone? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to use my computer instead. Yeah, I'm on there. Look, I'm on um, Fabrizio Romano's feed. Um, right. Because like we say, if Fabrizio, look, I don't mind that Fab is like, you know, called like a tap merch on things. Like I just know that if, as soon as it is confirmed, we're going to get a little, here we go and get those mm. three words on um, Romano's page. So his still is from like, you know, a couple of hours ago um, and there hasn't really been much of an update there. So I think for now we can probably say like, I mean, it's still I wouldn't say it's like early in England, but you know, it's still, there's still a lot of the day to go. So oh. there is a chance that we could see some movement here, but I could also very easily see this being one of those situations where, you know, buddy, you and I, we stay up and we're just refreshing our feed for the next five hours. And then it gets to the end and we get some reports like either Conte was off or it's like, Oh, discussions ongoing. And then we hear more tomorrow or the day after, or, you know, um, mm-hmm. anything like that. So, yeah, it's it's weird. Like you said earlier, um, you talked about, you know, there were a lot of comments about this being like a real hot thing. Oh, it's final stages. It's happening. It's going. <laughs> I think I saw an Italian um, journalist earlier and he had like 200,000 followers. I've forgotten his name. But he posted up and he was like, big Spurs announcement in 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then it was like 20 minutes later or something. And then he's uh, he's put up another tweet and he's like, hey, sometimes like announcements don't happen at the time that they say that they're announced, but there's one coming sometime soon <laughs> and like people just getting stuck in. They're like, what is this? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about here? And I feel like we're just probably going to get in that phase um, until we, until we get Conte. And if we don't get Conte, we should probably quickly cover that. Um, yep. You know, there are some very small rumors that like someone like Fonseca might be back in the, uh, <laughs> in the equation. And like, we get the Fonz who is probably like a bit of an opposite Nuno in the sense mm. that, attacking with maybe very little consideration for any sort of defense um, and trying to show us up there. So uh, I don't know how, like, uh, 
when we did the podcast about Fonseca coming when we were pretty sure that he was going to be signing on, mm. um, we were kind of getting behind it of like, cool, let's say he plays attacking football. We know this. That's exciting. Um, I feel like he seems to really be the only backup getting mentioned apart from Pochettino, who everyone always loves to link to Spurs whenever anything yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> can I just can I just add, I've just read Ali Gold has reported that apparently uh, Fabio Paratici was so angry after the third goal <laughs> that he stormed out of his seat in the 64th minute and didn't return. Really? Yeah. <laughs> And like you know, you know where he sits, like oh, on the bench with the players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Oh. Imagine that if you're Nuno just standing there and you just hear like Paratici getting up and swearing in Italian, like walking <laughs> off down the touchline and like going yeah. there. Like, I mean, yeah, with little Steve Hitchin like, yeah. trotting along behind him. <laughs> Like, oh, that is, that is incredible. Like, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Paratici and Hitchin, they shouldn't be on the bench. And maybe a, a, a logical part of me goes, yeah, they shouldn't be on the bench. But also yeah. the entertainment thriving part of me was like, yeah, I like that they're on the bench. I like that we, <laughs> oh. we get like some of the, my fondest clips so far this season have just been those two on the bench, nutting it. <laughs> oh my God. Games. Absolutely. But the, but the, uh, the real like qualifying thing about Conte is that if Conte was the manager and that was happening, he would just be like, no, or, or, you know, if he didn't like it, say he'd be like, you're not on the bench. Definitely. Versus, versus, you know, like him being there and everyone being like, is this okay? Yeah. Um, we would know. So the- like that is, uh, yeah, that's very attractive. Anyway, I don't want to talk about him anymore because uh, I've, I'm now pumped up about it and that means that he's going to no, be Newcastle. It's going to, no, it'll happen, Barney. It'll, let's start believing. Whenever we do this, it always backfires, <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't. But <laughs> the last thing I was going to say is like the, it, it can be funny as well, like how quickly we change as fans. So right now we're all uh, pro Conte is the best thing ever. And then if Conte doesn't eventuate, there'll be a portion of the fan base who tomorrow will be like, well, you know what? Conte wasn't really suited um, to to us as a club and what we're sort of trying to do. And I feel like the same thing happened with Steve Hitchin when um, everyone was complaining about Steve Hitchin and he became like a meme for what he said in All or Nothing. And then as soon as Paratici sort of comes along, we get all these people going, I feel so bad for Steve Hitchin. Like, it sounds like this has just been done all over his head. I feel so bad for Steve Hitchin. <laughs> and then it's just like, hang on, you were all getting like tearing into Steve Hitchin and blaming him for our recruitment for the last 10 years. But now yeah. it's like, oh, if it, if there's an excuse to blame Levy for something, it's like, well, he's, oh, he's been mean to poor little Steve. Yeah. Um, so I feel Poor Steve Hitchin yeah. sitting in that little weird cafe yeah. at Spotsburg Lodge ordering that weird little espresso shot and talking to that that staff member who's weirdly <laughs> making coffee there. Oh, poor thing. Poor thing. Like, <laughs> uh, so I think whatever the result is from this manager's hurt, um, sorry, this manager search, we are, we are very flippant <laughs> with these mm. things and we'll find a reason to justify why Conte was a uh, bad idea and why the next manager is a good idea. Uh, mm-hmm. No matter who they are, you could have a magical yeah. frog from the wind and the willow. I don't even know if there's a frog in that, but um, basically I think <laughs> anyone at this stage, we are going to find positives to sort of rally behind. 
mm-hmm. and if we, if we can even just start like attacking in games and like you know even if we're losing that's fine like let's just start enjoying the games a little bit more again mm-hmm. um and i feel like we're kind of from whoever comes in if they've got you know we've got this this big reaction to get rid of nuno like we're not going to now bring in another manager who's going to play and set up the team similar to nuno <laughs> there's just no way, no way that that is going to happen no way yeah and it has to like i said it has to be someone now of a higher ilk to correct the mistake like if it is a perpetuation of the same mistake either by game style or um by like status or perceived status as a manager that's going to go down so poorly and it will it will reflect all the blame will just be targeted i think at daniel levy um so yeah we'll have to see definitely um are we are we gonna do the Abit Spursy medal before we go, or is there no point because it was so bad? Barney, we have to do the Abit Spursy medal. <laughs> okay, all right. There are some fans who are probably like tuning in, and this is their favorite part of the podcast. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Don't want to let them down. They Don't always wait for the Abit Spursy medal. Yeah, and yeah. they're probably a bit annoyed that it's always at the very end of the episode. <laughs> they so want it straight up. Yeah. Maybe maybe one week we'll do it, go straight up just for the you know just for the real ones who mm. love that. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's do a bit Spursy medal. Um, I mean, it's going to be, uh, we, we have to record. We can't let any of these Premier League games go. We're, we're already letting the conference league games go. Yep. We haven't even mentioned Barney, the conference league game. We, Perfect. this is the first time we're mentioning it an hour and a half into the recording. So but I do want to, I do want to mention though, uh, that my laptop has 10% battery. So if I suddenly disappear from this recording, listener and Dan, uh, that is why. <laughs> or maybe Antonio Conte has come for you. Yeah, that's true. He would kill me, I reckon. He would definitely kill me. Just what? No reason? He just would. No, he would just smell it on me. He'd smell the <laughs> the. <laughs> he'd smell the lack of intensity, and he'd just be like, "Bang, bang, that'd yeah, be it, done." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, look, let's do that before Antonio can get to you. So, yeah. Um, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. I'll go, go first. first. I'll go first. Um, it's very difficult to give out positive votes this week. Um, I am struggling to come up with. Uh, anyone that deserves the three. And the only person that I can think of because of the events that have uh, rolled on afterwards is Lucas Moore gets three fights for getting, for getting subbed off. Um, and like, he was fine before, like he wasn't good. He was fine, but everyone else was so abjectly bad that, you know, like he seemed um, to have uh, a good game. Uh, two, I'm going to give two votes to Oliver Skip because although his touch gave way to a goal, I felt so terrible for him when he dropped his head after Hoybier played. Like the ball, like how are you supposed to control the ball that he got from, as you said, Dan, how are you supposed to control off air? Um, <laughs> how are you supposed to control the ball when it gets played to you like that? It wasn't his fault. And he has received a bit of stick in, in the media and on social media, and I don't think it's particularly justified. Um, uh, one vote. Um, I'm going to give to uh, Romero because he continues to be, um, you know, like a good... It's, it's exciting to have a good signing that it has performed, you know, immediately since, since coming in. Uh, encouragement awards. I'm going to give an encouragement award of 0.5 to... Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, 
Well done for hanging in there. Um, <laughs> may your reign at Manchester United continue until the end of time. Um, and if we do end up signing the manager that I don't want to talk about anymore, uh, and it's purely as a result of you changing your setup in a in a quite an intelligent way, I thank you. Uh, I thank you so much. Also, I think um, I think to give some respect to Ole, um, that clip where he's getting interviewed after the game and there's a man oh. supporter abusing him and Ole's kind of laughing and he sort of turns to the supporter. He's like, hey, can I just finish this interview and then you can go back to abusing me? And then <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't mind you, Ole. <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes I yeah. don't like you, but in that moment, you know, it's nice and humanizing. So, yeah, worthy of that. I find him hard to uh, watch because I feel like I feel like he's a really good dude, and he cops it so hard for things that no one should cop it for, like his voice or how he looks or whatever. Um, but not only that, you know, like his decisions, he cops it in a way that's so entirely unfair. But then he's also the manager of Man U, so there's this weird dissonance there where I'm like, yeah, but I hate you. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, negative votes. Um, where do where do you even start with this? Uh, where do you even start? Um, I'm going to give uh, negative one to Harry Kane because yet again that was a horrific performance. Um, I'm going to give negative two to Nuno because that. Like, what were you even doing? And, you know, I'm sorry to see you go um, for your own sake, but for my sake, I'm very pleased. Um, like, the whole setup, the subs were horrendous. Negative uh, three, um, which counts for the two goals that uh, he was responsible for, uh, Ben Davies, absolutely horrendous performance. And I've now shifted my eye from Harry Winks. Um, on to Ben Davies because that was awful. And if you think about the last time that he played in the league for us, we uh, <laughs> we we conceded um, we conceded a goal because of a penalty. So, oh, the I, handball. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Uh, yeah. What wonderful. So, uh, okay. I'm gonna give. I'm actually gonna give three votes to Romero. Um, he had a nice chop on Ronaldo, which I quite liked. Um, he also oh. scored technically, but then the linesman took about 10 years to flag it as oh, offside. Yeah. Um, same when Son went through and he didn't score, but like linesman, wh what is the point of you if you're not flagging anything? Um, but anyway, um, Romero, um, I think he also copped like a little bit of a elbow to the face from, uh, Ronaldo. And again, he's a, he's a player who's come in and he's probably like, this is not the team I thought I was signing for. Yep. Um, he had a really good win from Fred and then broke forward as well. Um, so I think it's like, I'm, I'm still watch, watch this game and I still am excited about Romero and, you know, his future, mm -hmm. uh, for the team. I think, yeah, uh, two points, two points I'm going to give to Lucas, um, mm -hmm. similar reasons to what you said that he was kind of driving forward, um, for us. And, you know, we talk a lot about Lucas and, um, he's a very conflicting player in a way because, we don't love a lot of his views and, and, and whatnot off the field. And mm. I, I think it's like, we shouldn't keep forgiving that. Um, but mm. if we're just purely talking in footballing terms um, in this game, he was driving forward um, for us and he shouldn't have been subbed off. Yep. Um, one vote. Jeez. Um, um, one vote I am going to give to 
Uh, delay, delay, delay. Uh, one vote I'm going to give to Hoybier, you know? Um, I don't think he played that well, but just for his interview um, after the game, like given that he was just upset. that This is a mm. slow week, right? So that's all mm. you need to do in my book to get one vote is to just be <laughs> upset after the game and there mm-hmm. you go. Um, I'm actually going to give half an encouragement award to uh, Nuno because I think, you know, uh, thank you, Nuno. Uh, we'll see you, see you anyway. Um, yeah. the, just just a nice little parting gift, you know. So if someone mm-hmm. leaves a company, you give them a nice little gift and then that's it. Um, yep. Off you go. Nice. Uh, negative votes. Okay, cool. So Harry Kane, I'm going to give negative five. Uh, yeah, nice. and, and that's, again, playing on the left wing. We're playing against three center backs and he's dropping back. Like <laughs> we've got no, like what what's going on there? Like even if we get a runner through, there's three center backs <laughs> that they've got to contend with. Like, you know, give give us something else to sort of aim for. Also, he broke forward and it was in the 75th minute and he was going down the wing and he was sort of like, you're like, come on, go for it, go for it, have a shot. And he just sort of stopped, held the ball up and then just absolutely plopped it into like, um, I think it was McTominay or someone like that. And he just yeah. like, Kane, what, what is this? Like, yeah. what's going on? Have a crack. Like, come on, we expect better from you. Um. So, yep, there. Uh, Davies, I'm going to give him... I think I'm going to give him negative two. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ronaldo, I'm going to give him negative a thousand. Because it's, Amazing. it's, it's yep. just disgusting. I hate him so much. Oh, I hate him so much. I hate him so much, Dan. He's, he's, the, so- he's the worst. And oh, actually, oh. I'm going to give another um, uh, a minus five uh, mm. to Harry Maguire. Because I honestly think if Harry Maguire was not English, he would be worth about five million pounds. Yeah, he would. <laughs> but with the English tax, somehow he's a seventy-five million or eighty million pound player. And it's like, in all honesty, I genuinely think if he was um, not English, any other nationality you could choose, no one would be going. He is a good player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, that reminds me. I would like to give um, negative a million to um, Alonso. Uh, seeing he came up on this podcast because he drunk drove and killed someone. So like he, and that doesn't get talked about because the football media is horrific at discussing those things. Um, and it got settled outside court and he's able to play football. Um, and I hate him so much. Uh, definitely. And, and like, you know, we've spoken a lot about the Ronaldo effect that, you know, apparently Ronaldo's good at football, so we overlook any of his um, crimes, you know, yeah, and exactly. we just pretend they don't happen. And yeah. it becomes this huge thing of like, oh, look how incredible and good he is and everything like that. Let's push everything else to the side. So, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I, it kind of brings us into the same territory. Well, not the same territory, but, you know, when we talk about Mora and, and, and all the things that, you know, Lucas supports, um, and it's like... You, it's easy to get caught up in like just sort of forgetting about all the things that he supports politically back home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like what well, I think it was either uh, Windy or Nathan on the Extra Inch said the other week, just go on his Twitter and look at the tweets he likes. And I have thought about it ever since. And I've been too much of a chicken to look because it will, as much as I'm not really a fan of him anyway, it will be too painful to watch him play for us, I assume, having looked at them. Well, Barney, as we talk about this, like our podcast theme opens with Lucas saying coys, 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 coys. <laughs> we need to we need to change it. I think we need to change that to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We need uh, uh let's find another quote. Let's change it. Let's change it. Let's change it for this episode. We'll change it. We'll, we'll get yeah, sweet. Sweet. Um, Can we change it to uh, the uh, Conte, um, if someone doesn't 
if it gets confirmed before we release it, can we please change it to um, if they do not, whatever the quote is, I'll kill them. Yeah, that's that's a good, like, strong quote to lead with. <laughs> yeah. Um, and look, if Conte doesn't sign before we release this, then we can just put up Pierre saying maybe I shouldn't say too much. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Before we then go on for 90 minutes talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> um, all right, well, that probably is the end of the pod. I have to go and uh, do uni work. And Dan, I'm sure that you, uh, you're a busy man. Um, you have a new baby. I'm sure there's things oh, you, you need to you do. You just well. set that up as if like I, I'm not a busy person at all. And not that I'm trying to be, but it's just like, Dan, you're a busy man. You're, that's what you Dan, you've got hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you're into painting trains. So, yeah. you know, you've got stuff on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, got, um, I got stuff. I got stuff too. Yeah. yeah. I, I do things. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I do, yeah. do different things. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, you're an entrepreneur. That's right. You're an entrepreneur. If, if anyone's uh, listening at this point now while we're rambling, if you could leave us reviews just saying, Dan, you're an entrepreneur, you know, I know that Dan would really appreciate that. I would so. love that. I would love that. Yeah. And not naming yeah. a single one of those things, but that's good. <laughs> um, that's great. Thank you, Barney. Um, mm, no it's been a pleasure uh, going down this uh, rabbit hole, which may very well be completely redundant tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Um, yep, exactly. <laughs> it's good to dream while you can. Yes, indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, So uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I've been Barney. I've been Dan. Come on, you Spurs, and please don't break my heart again, Antonio Conte. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.